We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Is Rob Gronkowski pouring fuel on the fire that he might make a return to the Patriots this season? Had an interview on WEEI this morning. We'll talk about that in a minute. Welcome back to Home and Home, hour number three, where radio.com sports original brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. It's on the bottom of your screen. If you are watching on the radio.com app, there it is. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter again, the smartest way to hire we'll go to the home market of the detroit lions to hear how frustrated they are with the officiating last night or is the takeaway wasted lions opportunities but we start with the philadelphia eagles dallas cowboys what might be the most intriguing game of this early nfl season uh two three and three teams surprise surprise to Super Bowl contenders just a couple of weeks ago. Doug Peterson, Eagles head coach, extremely confident on WIP radio in Philly yesterday. Anytime Dallas loses, it helps. <laughs> you know, because here's the thing. It, it, this is, you know, I know the sky's falling outside. Yes. You know, it, it's, it's falling, and, and I get that, and the fans are, are, are reeling just a little bit, but but you know we, we're going down to Dallas, and our guys are going to be ready to play, and we're going to win that football game. And when we do, we're in first place in the NFC East. We control our own destiny. We're right where we need to be. Has it been perfect or beautiful or all of that? No. But all we got to do is try to be one and zero this week. Beat the Dallas Cowboys. We're in first place. And, and listen, they're 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 reeling too. I mean, they're struggling too. They've dropped their last three games. So uh, this will be uh, this will be an exciting football game. You sound very confident about Sunday, Doc. I have to be. I am. Absolutely. That's the way a head coach ought to talk. We don't need all the cliche spinning back and forth. We'll take it one week at a time. I love the confidence of Doug Peterson, especially against a reeling Dallas Cowboys team. Ross Tucker, a lot of people made a lot out of all that. Oh, did he guarantee a win? You can't guarantee a win. That's bulletin board material. Do you like the confidence or is that too much fuel for an opposing team? Uh, this is a tough one for me, Dave. Uh, number one, in the interest of full disclosure, I love Doug Peterson. That guy is awesome. It was a pleasure working with him on all of the preseason games this August. I actually would interview him three hours before every game. And the first game, I could barely talk. I had, like, laryngitis, so he went really long with his answers. So, like, I'm a Doug Peterson guy. And as a guy that does Eagles pregame, as well as did their TV games on preseason – I love hearing that. I love hearing the confidence. I love that he feels that way. It, make, it makes me and every Eagles fan go, yeah, right? But I will say this. As a player who played seven years, if the opposing coach said that, 
that would just get me. And it's already a huge game. It's already Sunday night football. It's already first place on the line. So there's already all kinds of motivation. But you know the way Belichick is, Dave. It just gives a little bit extra of an edge. Just a little bit extra. Like, oh, really? They're going to come. They're going to be, oh, really, coach? Who's this guy think he is? They're going to come in here and beat us. It just gives a little bit of an edge. And you got to appreciate the irony, Dave, that last week we were talking about this as it related to Zach Brown, the Eagles linebacker, who said, oh, yeah, we want to make him throw. Kirk Cousins is the weak link of the team. We want to make him throw. Cousins comes out, torches the Eagles, and then guess what the Eagles did yesterday afternoon? They cut Zach Brown. They cut Zach Brown for giving the Vikings some bulletin board material. Now I'm sure there was more to it. I don't talk to anybody. I, don't, I haven't talked to anybody with the Eagles since August, right? So I don't know what's going on. But I'm sure part of it was performance and part of it, maybe they had told him not to say anything and he did anything. Who knows, right? But it is kind of funny to me at the same day that Doug Peterson showing such confidence, which I loved, they cut the guy that opened his mouth the week before. It did feel like a very odd day for both stories to surface. I would imagine reason one, two, and three Brown were cut were performance-related, attitude-related, and not so much the locker room, the bulletin board material. Kirk Cousins' performance had nothing to do with words from Brown, had to do with uh, the head coach, Mike Zimmer, finally trusting him to throw the ball. And most importantly, is the secondary of the Philadelphia Eagles without Darby and Maddox and in desperate need of Jalen Ramsey. So how would Dallas counter this? Now, first, it sounded like Peterson to me backpedaled a little bit and said, no, no, I did not guarantee a win, even though, yeah, he did. Just own it, baby. Here's what Jason Garrett, Cowboys head coach, had to say about the prediction, if you will. Doug Peterson on the radio this morning, he said, we're going down to Dallas and our guys are going to be ready to play and we're going to win that football game and when we do we're in first place in the NFC East. What is your response? Yeah, my response is uh, we're excited about the challenge. Uh, obviously, they're a great football team and uh, you know we're, we're going to focus on ourselves and what we need to do to prepare to play our best football on Sunday night. We know this. Doug Peterson's going <laughs> nowhere. No, no hot seat, but I don't know about that response from Jason Garrett. Kind of meh. You know, it's really funny because I swear some of these situations, it's like you can't be right. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I, you know, you, you said it with Adam Silver in the NBA. I think he did a really I mean, I think he's really impressive. I think he did about as good of a job as you can possibly do. Adam Silver is very impressive because everybody else I don't think has been as impressive, whether it's Popovich or Kerr or certainly LeBron or whatever, of kind of towing that line. For Jason Garrett, it's funny because, you know, if you come back with, oh, really? Well, we're going to win. Then people are then people are like, oh, bulletin board material. Oh, Jason Garrett says that the Cowboys are going to win. Oh, it's, you know. He doesn't want to give the Eagles any extra motivation. He doesn't want to give them any bulletin board material. So he just does his stock answer. He would be a great politician. You know, he just gives his stock answer 
He's very smart. He went to the number one institution of higher learning on planet Earth. So he knows what to say, when to say it. Um, but if you're a Cowboys fan or you're Dave Briggs, who hosts a national show that has less than five minutes of commercials per hour, you go, nah, nah. <laughs> it, it, it bothers yeah. you. You're like, you want to see some fire. You want to see some spunk. In Dave Briggs' world, okay, your coach is what? Mike Leach and your quarterback's Baker Mayfield. And let me just tell you, your team sucks, okay? That's what you want. You want the you want the coaches to say stuff. You want quarterbacks <laughs> to say stuff. It doesn't seem like that works that often, Dave. I like brash and confident attitudes. No, I would take Frank Reich. I'm a Frank Reich guy. I like the way he translates the confident message and borderline preaches when he's even with the media and doesn't spin cliches. Frank Reich is my guy in terms of the approach he takes with the media. I do want to talk about this game a little bit, and we're going to get a lot, you know, very much into it in depth throughout the week, but... Uh, Dallas, a three-point favorite right now. Lyle Collins, Tyron Smith continue to be banged up. Amari Cooper, that thigh bruise sounds more serious than we initially thought. Missed most of the game last week in that devastating loss to the New York Jets. If Cooper, Collins, Tyron Smith are out, I think Philadelphia has a chance not just to win this game, but to win it decidedly, albeit the problems with their secondary. I don't know how Dallas takes advantage with that, given the situation between Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott. That is everything for Dak. I think Dallas is reeling. I think Philadelphia could go in there and punch him in the face. How do you see it? I don't know about punching him in the face. I think the Eagles have the issues of their own with Deshaun Jackson out as well as with their secondary issues. But I agree with you. I think Amari Cooper is the difference in this game. And I think the fact that Amari Cooper appears unlikely to play is really bad for the Cowboys because the Eagles showed on Sunday that they are susceptible to the pass with their current corners. Although there's some talk that Ronald Darby might practice this week. Jalen Mills is off of PUP, and he's practicing this week. So the Eagles might be getting some reinforcements at corner that they really need. So that could make a difference. But Amari Cooper is a dynamic player that I think changes the Cowboys' offense, and he's a big reason. His injury is a big reason why they lost to the Jets on Sunday. Yeah, I, I think that relationship, I think that is the safety blanket for Dak Prescott no Amari Cooper. I don't think there's a chance they can win this game unless, of course, they really can establish the run with Zeke Elliott. But again, getting back to the aforementioned problem of Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith being out, they can't set the edge right there. I think they could have some real issues when it comes to uh, moving forward, trying uh, to beat that team. All right, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about something I did not see coming today. 10 o'clock. A.M. Eastern Time, the XFL Draft. And they're going to have 1,000 rounds, 90 seconds each. What gets your attention when the quarterbacks were announced? They were not part of the draft. They were assigned, Ross Tucker. Landry Jones, the former Oklahoma quarterback, he goes to the Dallas Renegades. He will play for Bob Stoops, who we just had on the program. Aaron Murray, remember liking him a lot 
in, in college. He plays for Tampa Bay. The other name, of course, Matt McGloin, you would recognize. He plays in New York. Cardell Jones, the former Ohio State Buckeye. Cardell Jones goes to the D.C. Defenders. Any of those names jump out at you in terms of the intrigue or lack thereof for the XFL? Yeah, I'm going to go lack thereof. I mean, I think Landry yeah. Jones is solid. I'm looking forward to seeing Cardell Jones play. I know Matt McGloin had a terrific career at Penn State. Did some good things in the NFL. Uh, Aaron Murray from Georgia. I think all these guys, it'll be fun to watch them play. But I think what jumps out to me is, frankly, the, the names that are not here, Dave. Right? Like yeah. Colin Kaepernick, Johnny Manziel. You know, some of the names where they could really generate buzz. Frankly, some of the college quarterbacks that maybe they they leave when they still have eligibility. I, I just think, you know, the XFL has a chance to make it where the AFL didn't because the AFL, is that what it was called? No, AAF. Because the AAF didn't have the money. They didn't have the funding, right? A decent amount of people watch Dave, like more people than watched regular season NBA or baseball. Is that enough to sustain a league? I don't know, but I think they'll get as many viewers as the AAF did. I am just surprised. I would think that they would go for the Manzels, go for the Kaepernicks to try to get more, to try to get some some actual buzz. They have the dollars. Whatever it yes. would take to pay Kaepernick, it'd probably be worth it. I think that they think, though, that that is a short-term solution to a long-term issue that they're trying to have, which is good football that people like, that just professional football in the spring. I don't think that they want to get sidetracked by the side shows that are Colin Kaepernick and Johnny Manziel. Yeah, the, the one player I want to see in that league, to your point, is Colin Kaepernick. Johnny Manziel, I'm less intrigued by that. I think we've seen that play out in Canada. He's had several opportunities. Kaepernick, I'm not sure if his representatives are open to that. And that's what I wanted to see on that list of Q&A and the list of facts they submitted to the media a few days ago to try to clear the air after they said they had contacted all 32 teams. Would he be willing to play in the XFL? I'd like to see it. The number one overall draft pick in the XFL, the defenders select wide receiver Rashard Davis. I, for one, will not be watching the XFL. Look, I get my fill, man. We get Thursday night. We get Sunday night. We get all day Sunday. We get Monday. We get the draft. It's all summer long. I am good, man. I am cooked. I do not need any more football on, in my life. I'm happy with the balance. I'm happy for the material here on Home and Home. I will not be watching. Yeah, no, I can respect that. Um, I will be watching. I, I'm, I have pretty low standards um, when it comes to football and watching football. I've told you these before. If it's football and it's on TV – I'm generally watching. That's pretty much how it works for me. So I want to talk more about that tomorrow because I think what these guys are getting paid is interesting. And I think that the way XFL found most of them, Dave, was ZipRecruiter. Same as Cafe El Toro COO Dylan Miskowitz, 
who needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. Was he paying $55,000, which is the average salary for the XFL players? I don't know, but they probably know when you go to ZipRecruiter, it's technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted the job on ZipRecruiter, and he got qualified candidates almost immediately. They even have a candidate rating feature, which is awesome. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Maybe you, the uh, NFL can go to ZipRecruiter and hire themselves some full-time or at least competent officials. Because that is not the way it went on Monday Night Football. The 23-22 Packers win five field goals from Matt Prater in Detroit. They wasted some opportunities, but in the end, it was a couple of devastating calls. Illegal hands to the face from Trey Flowers, the first two of his career, by the way. Let's listen to some callers complain about the way this night went down or the way it's being interpreted in Detroit. 97-1, the ticket. Listen. What's up, Nathan? Hey, guys. How you doing? Oh, man. I'm just The Lions are losers. The fans are losers. I'm so hey, sick Hey, Nathan, screw you, man. <laughs> Sorry, screw you. But what do you mean the fans are losers? I, I, so I was watching the game last night with my son, and when the Lions left eight points on the field in their first three possessions, I said, in the end, it's going to come down to the referees. You watch. The, re- the fans are going to blame the referees because they lose this game. And then what exactly happened? You know what winning teams do? They go into Green Bay and they get those touchdowns. They don't settle for field goals. And then after you you make a 60-yard pass, you don't uh, you don't fumble the ball. But after you score a touchdown, you don't kick the ball out of bounds. You don't drop two sure touchdowns. You can't keep blaming the referees every time you lose a game. Do enough to win the game. Did the Lions play a perfect game when they beat uh, Los Angeles? No. Did they play a perfect game whenever they when they beat Philly? No. But you, they made enough plays to win the game. They didn't make enough plays to win the game. Put your binky in your mouth and stop being a bitch. Whoa! Put your binky in your mouth and stop being a bitch. Let's go to Detroit and talk to Will Birchfield. 97 won the ticket. Good to see you, Will. It's Ross Tucker. It's Dave Briggs. Is that caller the exception or the rule? Do they feel the officials cost them the game or the Lions wasted opportunities? He's very much the exception. Um, the fan base here, I think, is deservedly uh, in in just frustration this morning because the Lions, when you look at it, actually did make enough plays to win the game, and then they had those plays taken away from them. Trey Flowers twice uh, was did enough to get that offense, the Packers' offense, off the field on fourth down and third down in the fourth quarter, and and the refs bungled those calls and took those plays away from them. So you can criticize the Lions all you want, and you and you should to a degree. For, for not cashing in in the red zone early on and, and for a couple other miscues on defense, including too many men on the field during a field goal. 
But they did do what they needed to do to win, and then they had those plays taken from their hands by a pretty incompetent referee staff last night. Will, good to talk with you. I'm curious, in terms of the players after the game, were they focusing on the officiating, or were they focusing on the plays that they could have made, like maybe not having 12 guys on the field, that could have been the difference? I'm just curious as to the mindset of the players after the game. They did their best to say the right things. And I think when they had cameras and microphones in their face, they were pretty cognizant to, to accept some of the blame, but there was raw, raw emotion last night in that locker room that stems from knowing they played better than the score. The final score indicated. Um, now you look at Twitter and that's where most of the, uh, the grievances are being filed right now. You have a lot of players retweeting, um, statements that, that are pretty clear that the refs cost the Lions this game. It was it was a raw locker room last night. A lot of cursing, a lot of F-bombs being dropped because they know that they in one night, they went from potentially first in the NFC North to last, potentially third in the NFC to ninth, and, and that was in large part because of the referees. So while they tried to accept some blame, it was hard to do that in the immediate aftermath. Does it feel, Will, like a snake-bitten organization at the moment? You're up 18 on Arizona in week one. You completely outplay Kansas City a few weeks ago, and another couple of calls I thought should have gone the other way, but really outplayed the Chiefs and yeah. lost that one, and then this happens. It doesn't feel like a snake-bitten organization right now. It feels like that forever. I mean, the Lions have been dealing with things <laughs> like this for as long as referees have been around. And, and, and there's a reason beyond the refs, the Lions have this history of utility, but especially in the past 10 years, they have been at the center of some of the most uh, mind-numbing mistakes by officials. And, and I think a lot of players, one of them being Darius Slay, who's been here now for seven years and seen some of these things happen first time, really was at his wit's end last night. And, and Ross, when you ask about how the players responded, he, Darius Slay was one who just had a really hard time grasping what had happened to the Lions again. Um, and, and he was vocal in his, in his displeasure and distaste for the refs. But, yeah, this isn't about – this isn't a 2019 issue for the Lions. This is a historic issue for them. And that's why the fan base is so upset because they've seen this so many times before. Will, is it fair to say, are the Lions better than you thought they'd be? I mean, I know their record now is whatever, 2-2-1. Two, two and one. But to Dave's point and how they played this year, I got to tell you, they're, they're a lot better than I thought they'd be this year. Yeah, they're, they're a strange team, in my opinion, because I thought they'd be solid, but they haven't been good where I thought they'd be good. I thought they'd have a really strong run defense because that, that, the D-line is, is, on paper at least, vaunted. And they haven't done well enough in stopping the run yet. Uh, we haven't seen as much out of Damon Harrison as we thought we would. Of course, Mike Daniels has been out uh, as, as well as Deshaun Hand. But they've been really good in the secondary, and, and that's balanced that out. And then on offense, I thought they'd be a really strong running team, and they've tried to be. They've emphasized it like never before in Stafford's 11 years here. But the returns early on haven't been there. And then the passing game, though, has. And, and so they've, they've been good in areas we didn't think they would be. If they can just piece together their strengths, I think this, this is still a team that will push for a playoff spot come December. There has yet to be a single branch on the Bill Belichick coaching tree. Perhaps one is beginning to sprout. How has the narrative changed regarding Matt Patricia? 
the biggest change this year in the narrative and even just watching this thing from up close is is the level of buy-in from the players. That was obviously lacking last season, really beginning in training camp when Patricia put them through something like they've never been put through before, at least under Jim Caldwell. He was more of a, a country club atmosphere when he was running this thing here. Um, and Patricia demands a lot more from his players. And, and I think last year it was hard for some of the veterans uh, to adjust to that. This year, the level of buy-in is, is, I would say, across the board. It's universal. And, and that's going to be the biggest thing for him in, in trying to be the first successful offspring from, from Belichick because he has to have that buy-in. And so far, it's there. You, you begin to wonder, though, if they begin kind of suffering these, these crushing losses, um, if that begins to affect that buy-in. But this, this group does seem pretty mentally tough. I think they'll bounce back next week against Minnesota. Boy, is that a tough one to have to bounce back the way Kirk Cousins is playing. Will Birchfield yeah. out of time. Good to have you. 97 won the ticket in Detroit. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, man. Ross Tucker, last question on that. Why has there been no Bill Belichick coaching tree in your estimation? You played there. Uh, I th I've told this before, but I, I think it's primarily because I think that the number one thing that players look for is authenticity. And it feels to me like most of the time these Belichick disciples have tried to be Belichick and they're just not him. And so people see through that. Like when they, when, when guys in the locker room feel like you're pretending to be someone else, they don't buy that. I'd also say in fairness, Dave, Eric Mangini, uh, I guess he had a decent quarterback in Chad Pennington with the Jets, but he still had to compete with the Patriots. And then they went with Brett Favre. That was his last year. You know, Romeo Cornell had, what, Charlie Fry, Derek Anderson, and Brady Quinn in Cleveland. Josh McDaniels had Kyle Orton after he kind of ran Jay Cutler out of town. But I don't know that Cutler would have been much better. They also haven't had great quarterbacks, I think, if we're being honest. It is a quarterback's league. That is a good point. I've always thought that Belichick, there's only one guy there. He doesn't care about teaching you how to coach at your next destination. He's the offensive, defensive, special teams coach, just the way it felt when I was around that organization. He doesn't care, and he controls everything, and it's not as though it transfers when you are the smartest, best coach in all of sports today. That'll do it for a Tuesday. For Ross Tucker, I'm Dave Briggs. We're back tomorrow. You gotta catch tomorrow's show a young man who burned up the internet, a 10-year-old quarterback inspiring his teammates. We'll see if he can inspire us on a Wednesday. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.